Bob Stoops ruined my childhood. It's the Inside OU Podcast on the Franchise Podcast Network. If you listen to this OU Compliance, I don't endorse that last message. With Brady Trantham and Keegan Renault. Mike Stoops should be put on trial for war crimes. That was my Father's Day. It was, uh, it was good. Just went home and did laundry and... My dad actually tweaked his knee yesterday when we went to Perry and played golf. We uh, missed the earthquake. Uh, we were there in the morning. Uh, I'm sure you saw that because I know you're. I know you're in Red River, but uh, oh yeah, no, I definitely saw it. It's I another. It. It's another Oklahoma earthquake that I just didn't feel. I don't think I've ever felt a. a well, actually, I take that back. The morning of the OU Houston game in 2016, the one that OU lost, I woke up my bed just was rocking. Like the headboard was like knocking really? up against the wall. That's the only time that I've ever felt an earthquake. Like even the OSU one when Kirk Herbstreet was on ESPN. That one was big. Yeah, I didn't feel that either. But I, I was like in the, I was in my truck driving. So I think I was driving to a friend's house or yeah. whatever. And I didn't feel there anything. Was, so. There was one in the morning whenever I was in either seventh or eighth grade. I think it's the biggest one we've had. It was like a five point something. And... It was – I was underground, so yeah. it just shook our entire computer lab at Sequoia Middle School. Again, never really experienced a real earthquake. I don't think I'd like it, though. It's uh, – I don't know. I guess I'm numb. Well, what scares you more, earthquakes or tornadoes? Probably earthquakes because there's just no telling. Whereas tornadoes, like, yeah, like tornadoes can kill you as well, but you mm-hmm. kind of have an understanding of where – like when it's coming, whereas earthquakes – like, I, I guess science can kind of predict when they come out, but there's not, like, an earthquake tracker on the news. It's like, hey, everybody, like, mm-hmm. get indoors. None of that shit. But how was your Father's Day, Keegan, all by your lonesome? It's been pretty good. We've just been hanging out, making some phone calls and sending some uh, requests out. So some, some friend requests? Yeah. On the, on yeah, the, some of those. On the face on, space? On, face, on Facebook. No, for uh, – I'm going to try- – Oh, oh we're yeah. recording. Now you got to pull that one. Got to <laughs> cut that out. Don't worry. That'll be uh, that'll be edited out. Let me make a little. Let me make a little note here. Uh, speaking of, before we, you know, while we're stalling for time, uh, do you remember I asked you to do something on the last podcast? Dang it! No, I did not. Oh, I, you I did, don't remember. You didn't hear the. Uh, you didn't listen to the intro. Oh no, I did. I okay. thought I thought you were talking doing something else. No, I heard the intro. What'd you think? That's pretty good. Yeah, the thing you put in there about the boot or the uh, OU compliance, that was pretty funny. Yeah, I thought it painted the good picture. <laughs> you know, if you're going to listen to this podcast, you at least need to have an understanding of what you're going to experience. So mm-hmm. I don't want to lie to anybody. Yeah, welcome to Inside OU. It's the third episode with Keegan. It's the third of like, I don't know, maybe 20 episodes that we're going to do when there's no football. I don't know, I don't know how many weeks there are until the season is supposed to start, but uh, Keegan, I'll just start with you. Players are all, you know, all across the country reporting back to their respective universities and they're all testing positive. I mean, good portions of players. Texas had about what 15 players. LSU had a huge chunk of their roster, about 30, but I'm kind of lost if 30 players literally tested positive or 30 players are in quarantine because maybe like four or five of them tested. Yeah. I think it was split. Yeah. Because they came in contact with the people that were, and I guess they were at some tiger land, which is a bar or a, an event in Baton Rouge. They're (laughs) 
that's where they're uh, that's where they caught it at. And now that what I think that was like twenty eight or thirty three. What either Clemson had twenty eight or uh, LSU had thirty three. I think that was right. But ultimately, I mean, where are you at with this? Would you rather all the players get it right now and then kind of just get through this workout phase, or I mean? I think at this point, everybody's going to get it, right, in terms of the players on the team because it's they're 18 to 22-year-olds. I'm 23, so I'm not talking down on them too much. But, I mean, the good, I'm, I'm, the good chance that everybody's going to stick to their quarantine is not very good. Right now, I'm just waiting for you to say that, yeah, I'm going to – after this podcast, I'm going to go watch OAN because that sounded a lot like Mike Gundy. No, 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 no I'm just kidding. Um, I would say, I mean, yes, realistically – I think everybody on earth is probably going to get it. Um, whether they know about it or not is a different story. Um, this is just something that is, I mean, it's a virus. Um, and a virus that spreads like this, um, it's really hard to hide from it. You know, that something like a virus that's uh, bloodborne or a sexually transmitted disease, like you get those because you do something in particular in order to get it or to put yourself at risk to getting it. Whereas this, you can just be around somebody breathing like, breathing the same air and then you can just get it. So I mm-hmm. think realistically, yeah, it's like hard to hide from this virus. Um, but Keegan, we've already, you know, we've only done two podcasts together and we've basically said like, this is all to be expected. Players are going to test positive and hopefully everything goes according to plan and that no one has to be seriously hospitalized because they are in good shape. They are young. They're not at risk, uh, relatively speaking, to die from this thing or even to even be uh, put in the hospital. And you can even look at Oklahoma. Our cases are spiking but the hospitalizations aren't because a lot of the case positive cases are people our age, you know, under 35. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, there, there, there's going to be that, that main point uh, to drive home about all this. But at the same time, I feel like people, and I understand why in the short term, when you see a headline, like uh, Kansas players have tested positive for coronavirus or Kansas is like canceling voluntary workouts for the yeah, next Kansas, two weeks. Kansas state. I feel like people get really stuck in the moment and forget about, well, this is planned. Now it's just going to be about how the universities react moving forward when, when they actually have these things happen to them more, instead mm-hmm. of like the last few weeks where they plan for it. Um, the NBA is going to have the same problem whenever the players get to Orlando. Uh, Major League Baseball is going to have the same problem whenever they get their shit together and go back onto the field. I, I really want to go about it a, a way of that. I don't want to seem like I'm Mike Gundy and that, yeah, all these players just need to go ahead and get it so that they can not get it in the fall and that we can have football. I just don't, but at the same time, I don't know how you hide from this. Uh, players are going to get it fairly naturally just because, just by virtue of being in buildings with 50 to 100 other people at the same time. Yeah, I, I, I hope people don't take what I was saying at the beginning of this and that Oh, don't aspect. worry about it. it but, this, is a, this is a podcast. They can't see your T-shirt, what you're wearing. Don't worry about it, Keegan. <laughs> ah. No, no I, I, you know, I, it's such a, because it, we've talked about this before and from who, what, uh, me talking to people at the University of Oklahoma, like you said, this, this, this is to be expected, but to this level, this fast and this quick, I think it, I don't, I just don't know what that means for going forward. If because we're talking about, there's supposed to be a six week training camp period. That's supposed to begin in mid July. And they and Oklahoma is supposed to get two weeks of voluntary workouts in before that. So what if just hypothetically Oklahoma comes back and they have to shut down voluntary workouts for two weeks yeah. when they get back, they're just going straight into the training camp into the, into full on workouts 
And I don't, it's just, it's such an interesting situation. And I know we've talked about it, what, ad nauseum for the last four months, but it seems like we're kind of here, we're dealing with it in terms of college sports and NBA and professional sports. And I, I think it's just, how teams are going to continue to deal with this. I think Oklahoma's in a better – obviously, I'm writing a column on that right now, but how Oklahoma's in such a better position than everybody else. But just across the country, just these numbers, 28, look, 33. What, and we're shutting – you know, Kansas State shutting down voluntary workouts. Houston shutting down voluntary workouts. It's just an interesting – I don't know how everybody's going to deal with it. I think everybody's going to deal with it differently. But I wouldn't want to be the one making those decisions and making those final calls, I can tell you that. Yeah, well, I mean – I think in hindsight, it, it's a little silly to just like if you're a university, all right, players arrive on this day and then shortly thereafter, voluntary workouts begin. Like, what were they thinking? Like, these players have all been home. They've all been doing God knows what with their free time. I mean, the majority of them probably locked down like the rest of us for the first two months. And then like the rest of us after those two months kind of probably went out into the world because we all kind of did. Um, not that we lost track of what's important, but we kind of have to live our lives. We all had to go back to work. We all had to go to the store and go get food, um, especially like a lot of these players. I would imagine they're probably wanting to go to the store to get food for their families to basically keep their moms and dads from going out into the world. So um, I don't know what schools were thinking that, oh, yeah, they'll just come here. Maybe one or two will test positive, but we'll still have voluntary workouts. I feel like it should have been spaced out a little bit more, but that's, right. hind but that's hindsight. I mean, I, I don't know. At the same time, like I'm, I'm kind of in the short term mentality of when I see all these numbers, it freaks me out. And then my brain goes to, I don't know how we're going to have college football, but at the same time, like I would stress patience to college football fans out there. Um, we already talked about the NBA last week, Keegan, I don't want to mm -hmm. bore our listeners, but just, just let the NBA do something. Let them try to work this bubble concept. And of course, college football is not going to be able to do something like this bubble concept no. unless they figure something out drastic in the next few weeks. But let the NBA get through their season. If they can finish it, if they can finish it uh, rel with, with relatively no bumps in the road, then I think college football, the NFL, I think that becomes a little bit more realistic as time goes on, as we get further along in testing. And then kind of the pragmatic thing of, well, if 30 players on Clemson have got it, well, then in theory, they can't get it again. So that's a good portion of their roster. So they mm -hmm. should be fine moving forward. So let all these things play out. But I, at the same time, I understand being a prisoner of the moment. Yeah, I think just with college football starting, I still, in terms of confidence, I'm not, I haven't lost it yet that we're gonna, not going to have football, but less confident than even three days ago. Than, than I was, and I think that that's going. To, I think that's a sentiment that's felt amongst a bunch of people right now. But the, it, this, I just kind of, I know I'm humming and this and that. It's hard to kind of put it all into perspective. Just like the herd, herd immunity people talk about. We've got all sorts of different theories and this and that. And like you said, in theory, we don't even know if we can get this a second time. Like we, yeah. that's not a fact yet. So just how these schools are going to continue to deal with this, and then. I think someone posed this question to both of us about a week ago, but I mean, they come game week. Are they going to have to have like a coronavirus list of players that are going to be out for college football? They had never done an injured, you know, an injury week list um, for sports gambling or anything like that before. <laughs> Is that what they're going to have to do? I, I mean, mean just uh, imagine Lincoln Riley, who's notorious of like, all right, this player has clearly torn his ACL. He has clearly torn it. And then in the post game, yeah, he has a lower leg injury, dude. 
Well, I mean, what's he going to say if someone's like tested positive? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he might have a respiratory uh, sickness of some type. Like, dude, come the fuck on. <laughs> um, no, like I've also kind of even toyed with this silly thought, and this is this goes well beyond like the wild west of college football cheating that we all know went on back in the day, you know, and then some form of cheating kind of goes on. It's, it's victimless crimes, you know, whether it's players getting paid or whatnot, um, nothing morally wrong, but I could definitely see if we do have college football, I just tell me that I'm wrong. I could definitely see a big game coming up with some school, their hotshot quarterback test positive and their coach and that player just say, yeah, let's just not tell anybody. Because, and play? Yeah, we have, we, we, have, we have players lie. We have coaches lie about injuries all the time. Now, this is much different, and I, I'm going to safely assume and hope that this does not happen. I'm not advocating for this to happen, and I hope, I hope that this doesn't happen because this puts way more people at risk than just, like, the player playing injured. Uh, but I could definitely see, like, college coaches that have some questionable moral compasses that we've – we can kind of riff on right now. Mm-hmm. Tell me that I'm wrong. Like this is a, this is a totally incorrect thought. I want to tell you that you're wrong, but I'm kind of <laughs> with you now, now that you've kind of explained it. Uh, someone brought it, that to attention to me, what about a week ago? And just the idea of a, think of it was like an offensive lineman, like quarterbacks, probably not nearly as bad of shape in terms of their yelling the whole time, but they're within distance. It's outside, but like an offensive lineman, Imagine if they played through asymptomatic with the, with the COVID-19. I yeah. mean, they're just all over the defensive linemen. The defensive linemen are going back to their huddle and all that. So, no, I, I don't think it will happen because I think people will demand transparency, which I think we've seen that already. I believe Don Williams with the uh, newspaper out in Lubbock, really respected journalist, he, he wrote a column about saying that's what we're going to have to have transparency during this deal. And it's from from the top down, from I think it the NCAA. Uh, I, that's something that's taught, been mentioned to me before that the NCAA needs to have their own standardized deal, and so they need to have it with a lot more than just this. But if they could kind of get a system down with this, then maybe injury reports can actually start becoming an official thing. But no, I I, I just can't imagine. Like, Imagine, like, OU's favored by 14 and a half on a Friday night. You wake up Saturday morning uh, against Oklahoma State at home. And it's a push. And you, wake up, and you wake up Saturday morning, and it's like, Oklahoma's favored by three? Like, <laughs> what happened? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the Vegas insider is going to be out the wazoo with this. I don't know how that – I'm not even going to be able to explain that. But, I mean, even, even think about if we get to a point where college football is happening and we're right in the middle of it, I don't even see how OU can have player meetings all in person. Because just think of this, Spencer Rattler could be fine. What if Chandler Morris tests positive because he went to the store and picked it up somewhere, and then they go into a, they all go into their little quarterback room for film study, and then they find out Chandler Morris has it, and then everybody else that's been in that room has to quarantine. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you can do no, a lot right. of unless you are physically practicing against each other or playing the game. I don't know how the entire team can be together like under one roof. Uh, like weight training will have to be severely regulated. Even pra- the practice fields will have to be severely uh, reg- uh, reg- uh, regulated um, unless they are scrimmaging against each other. Water, so what about drinking water bottle, like water, like at practice? There's going to be a ton it. of disposable, like there's going to be a ton of disposable, like water bottles. Ozark is going to make a killing or whatever. I mean, they're not a sponsor of this podcast. 
uh, New Balance is in Edmonds. So go give them a shout out. Um, yeah, I, all this sounds so complicated. Co- complicated, but at the same time, I read 80% of the NBA's 133 page bullshit um, with all their policies, with all that you have to do. And it can be done is what I'm saying. Now the NBA is all doing this all under one roof, right, relatively yeah. speaking. Uh, but we're going to have to need something uniform. And I think what you were talking about, kind of a, a player update list or some type of COVID-19 list for transparency, I think that that sets a foundation for that to be possible. It's still going to be a hard ass, though. Yeah. Um, first, I just want to – about the meetings deal. I, I, I don't – would every school have to follow that, do you think? I, I think mean, it'd be in their best interest, too. Like, everybody just meet up on Zoom. Like, we're going to do film study over the computer. You do it from your dorm room. Because, seriously, like, if the fourth-string redshirt freshman quarterback tests positive, then everybody has to quarantine for two weeks. Yeah, that's going to be a major, major problem. Uh, wow. this I mean, it really did just kind of put a damper. Not, I mean – with every all the news that happened last week in the college football world, by the world, by the way, what a week it was for everybody not named Oklahoma. You have LSU, Kansas State, Clemson, and Oklahoma State are all, all in the news, and then Oklahoma is just kind of sitting off here to the side like they have for the last month and a half. To say, yeah, it's like, eh, oh well. Well, that it's actually a really good segue into uh, OSU and Mike Gundy because we didn't have a chance to talk about it because unfortunately for us, Keegan, we had podcasted last Sunday. I was on the radio with uh, Jerry Ramsey on 107.7 and was on from one to three filling in for Kelly Gregg. And we had nothing to talk about. There was just nothing. Like we were kind of talking about Kyrie Irving causing a stink with the NBA possibly returning, possibly not returning. Uh, we were talking about Bob Stoops, maybe going to the Hall of Fame. He's probably going to go to the Hall of Fame. And then in the last 30 minutes, Treba Hubbard quote tweeted that picture of Mike Gundy and then shit hit the fan. Oh, yeah. I bet it was nuts. I bet ratings were crazy. Uh, it was nuts, and I felt bad initially because for about 20 minutes, because we, we, we all know by now and we all agree, this was not about the T-shirt. It's no. bigger than the T-shirt. But for the first 20 minutes of the, our, our last 30 minutes of the show, Jerry and I just basically Googled what OAN meant. So we just focused on the t-shirt because I was like, I don't know what OAN is. I don't know what this means. Why is everybody upset about it? And then we just read a few bullet points on there and we're like, oh, yikes. And then, of course, so much has happened since then, Keegan. So I I know by now we don't really want to rehash everything from start to finish. We kind of have more refined takes on this. But I'll just ask you a quick bullet point question. Are you surprised Mike Gunny's the head coach still at OSU? No. Not, I'm, I'm not surprised. Well, okay, at all. okay. And why, why is that? Yeah, I, I and I, I said this, and I tweeted this out, and people will disagree, agree, whatever. But the best outcome of that whole situation was that Mike Gundy stayed the head coach at the at Oklahoma State University, because that means he listened. That means he learned. He was willing to learn, and that means that he is willing to kind of change. And I don't. That's something that. We haven't seen from Mike Gundy, what, since, I guess, 1989, it sounds like. And I know about second chances and the social justices that are going on, injustices that are going around right now. But I I truly feel like those were the video and the other things that Gundy did last week were steps in the right direction, you know. And I I, want to see him get a second chance because if that means that Oklahoma State is better for that, the university is, 
then that means it's better for everybody. And you didn't hear anything yesterday out of the Oklahoma State group, um, the leadership of any regard in response to that, um, the OAN reporter wearing the Oklahoma State shirt. So, Yikes. <laughs> yeah, wasn't a good look for Oklahoma State. But, no, I, I truly feel that way. I think that the best outcome was for him to maintain to be the head coach, and that I think that was going to come with a bunch of um, – limitations I guess he basically is going to have to finally give in uh, to a little bit and not continue to kind of pride himself on what he was so um, I, I was really I was happy to see that it, that he is still the head coach at Oklahoma State from that regard but there's a long ways to go and he's got a long time he's got a long time to be able to screw this up yeah like look first of all you're not wrong but at the same time because ideally I think we all want to be better people. We all want people that were around to become better people as time goes on. And then of course, people that are in positions of power, like Mike Gundy certainly is. And as a leader of young college kids, young men, you want him to be a better person every single day. This is something that kind of transcends like just, you know, good old fashioned, just living and learning, you know, learning mm -hmm. from some mistakes there is first, cause first of all, and I feel like Charles Barkley again, there is a pattern with Mike Gundy mm -hmm. that has slowly started to become more and more like connected to his character that exists. And then number two, like you said, everything's, everything was right. My thing is, I just don't know if it's, if it behooves OSU for Mike Gundy to just simply become a better person and, Oh, mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, listen to his black players as humans and not just as young, stupid players as he may or may not have viewed them. Apparently according to all these testimonies, I don't know if it behooves OSU for him to become a better person on the company dime. Because when things like this happen to regular people, they lose their mm -hmm. jobs. And you either have to be bitter about losing your job and like, I lost my job for BS reasons. I'm not going to learn anything. Or you just learn from your mistakes, really look at yourself in the mirror, become a better person, and then hopefully you find a good opportunity elsewhere. But I just don't know if it's OSU's responsibility for Mike Gundy to quote become a better person unquote whatever the fuck that means on the company dime if that makes sense he's got what I'm looking up right now but he has what 17 and a half million reasons to may also be the head coach yes. of Oklahoma State still and yes that, I, I that understand does, the bottom line yeah that does and that ultimately I think that's the decision and you know I We'll see. I think it's going to. This is going to be a wait and kind of see deal with Mike. And I, obviously, like you said, it's a pattern. I mean, I mentioned 1989. This is when the first really publication. Yeah, this was on the record. This is not some. This is not because I've already seen this kind of spoken on Twitter of people not really understanding what the story really is. Alfred Williams did not recall something today back in 1989 and then back in 1989 did not say anything then he said it then and actually didn't bring anything up except um, until shannon sharp did on for, on what what's there for or undisputed oh, on fox undisputed. yeah on fox sports um and it clearly pattern. bothered him too because he put it in a, in a story for a newspaper that he was he had talked to five head coaches from the city of houston and told them that to not send their kids to go to Oklahoma State. So clearly yeah. it bothered them. So I, I think the clarity and the transparency on there is great. And like you said, it's a pattern. And it's a pattern that's 
the fact that, you know, you go from 90, what, 89 that it was, and then now you hear Sam about Sam Mays' deal in 2001, 2002, 2003. Yeah. And you've had, and then you've had all these other transgressions since then. Um, you know, I, but at the end of the day, and like you said, my money does trump, I think, what the outcome would have been if it wasn't such a big leap. Um, the $17.5 million, we're talking about his buyout. Uh, if Mike Gundy was to be fired or let go from this from Oklahoma State. But hopefully, uh, in terms of this to humanitarian side of this, I hope that he figures it out because then, too, maybe this will help Oklahoma State. Maybe that they'll, be, they'll start recruiting better because p- kids can come to Oklahoma State and be in a comfortable environment. They, it's clear that they were not, and Choba Hubbard made that very clear in that first video that there was clearly an environment that – wasn't the most inclusive and not the most comfortable um, for an African-American to be around. Yeah. And look, um, it doesn't really get like, doesn't really matter what I think. Um, Honestly, it doesn't really matter what OSU and Mike Gundy thinks. This is all on the players. Uh, Chuba Hubbard brought this to the public attention and it for, for the good. If the players talk to Mike Gundy and feel like that progress is being made, then that's the correct way to go. If they want Mike Gundy to learn on the job, to be a better person, and to listen, to involve, um, to better understand his black athletes because there has been a disconnect at some point. I don't want to accuse Mike Gundy of anything because I don't know other than what's been publicly said. But like I said earlier, there is a pattern and there are assumptions that you can draw from those accusations mm-hmm. as we get into the modern day and what Chuba Hubbard has really brought forth to the, public, to the public's attention. If the players feel like that Mike Gunny's the guy for the job and they want him to be the guy for the job moving forward, then that's really what matters because if he was really a racist asshole that was unwilling to budge, then the players would just like, uh-uh, we're, like, we're just not going to mm-hmm. play. Like Chuba, right. Hubbard has, Chuba Hubbard has so many reasons why he doesn't need to play this season outside of the fact that there's a pandemic going on. Um, yeah, he may not. He may lose money, but guess what? He's still going to go to the NFL and have a long career if, if he doesn't get hurt. So, Chuba Hubbard has no reason to play for OSU. So, it seems very genuine that Chuba Hubbard is really seeing some positive change in Mike Gundy. I just hope Keegan, and we're never going to know this. Mm-hmm. Um, I just hope that this is not Mike Gundy changing simply to save his own ass, mm-hmm. uh, to save his job, and to possibly get better players, i.e., get more black players. Uh, to OSU uh, if there was a problem with that uh, in recruiting. I know OSU fans kind of have the same opinion about Mike Gundy recruiting that I might have with another coach over the last decade. (laughs) Uh, Not because of those types of reasons, more so with just being lazy. Um, I just hope that it's genuine desire for change to be a better person, but we're never going to know that because we're just not Mike Gundy. And and we're not inside those walls either. And I, I, like I said, I think, Chuba, not just with his tweet, not just with his videos, not with just going on first take. The fact that I, I just can't recall seeing Chuba Hubbard wear a do-rag in public or in a video or, or anything. And he made it clear in that video that they first posted that that was an issue at Oklahoma. They were not allowed to wear that, I guess, inside the walls. And I don't know. I think that impacts this situation more than what Honestly, I feel like I should do because I'm, we're not, like I said, we're not in those walls anymore. And we'll, I think with Mike, ultimately, like you said, I, I get the saving, him saving his ass. And that is part of this 
And I think that is part of it, but I think I hope, and I hope part of it is then too, is creating an environment that's not just comfortable for one um, group of people. And yeah, I think that that's, I think that's what's going to come. Um, I think that, but that's, there's a long, we got a long road here. I mean, we've got two months before a season starts. Who knows what could happen between now and then. Yeah. And with all the, with all the heat that he was getting immediately from into inside Oklahoma state that was reporting to Trammell and reporting to uh, Scott Wright. I mean, there's clearly some people that are willing to pull the trigger in Stillwater. Yeah, and I guess one more thing on, on Gunny before we move forward, Keegan, uh, because I actually want to get your take on the uh, Doug Gottlieb side of this whole tale as well. I have no problem with dress codes, but I would probably say that um, on a football team or just in a business, uh, dress codes are fine. Companies, businesses, teams can make rules. There's nothing wrong with making mm-hmm. rules, especially if it comes to a dress code. Where it becomes a problem, and this is what I would, this is what I've imagined that would happen if the the do rag thing is that is like we've been told, like it was important that Chuba Hubbard was wearing that in that video. Where it becomes a problem is if black players feel like, okay, we can't do our thing, we can't wear a do rag, but Mason Rudolph can walk into the weight room with a backwards cap, like that's just not fair. So these rules are slanted against a particular group of people. And I would imagine that that's where that comes from. At the same right. time, like you, like you said, it was important that Chuba Hubbard uh, wore the do-rag in the video. I just don't know how much to believe of Doug Gottlieb's report. Um, one, you know, going back to like, oh, what was me on the radio? Um, 20 minutes before I went on, on Tuesday with Jerry um, was when Gottlieb dropped that, you know, these were the players' demands, like five of their demands. And yeah, I had the same reaction. Like, I, I hope that this isn't it. Um, but I tried to church it up as much as I could, going back to what I said. Maybe these, maybe the players felt like it was slanted against them, of uh, the black players, whereas white players could wear, you know, backwards caps and no problems were had. Um, that that would be an issue. Uh, but Gottlieb, I, I don't know. I thought it was stupid. Um, this would be a case of, like, dude, you have to, you have to get this corroborated. Not just from one person, but maybe mm-hmm. two or three because of the. Or just implica- don't do it. Or the, just don't do, do it. That's no, not your if, place. Well, if if he got corroborated from other sources or even from a fucking player, like, look, that might have been just the initial. Like, if they were actually the the um, the demands, because players have come out since and said, oh, "This is bullshit. This is not what we talked mm-hmm. about at at all." So I don't want to give that any more water than it already had. But even if it was, that would just be an initial set of demands that leads into more things. Uh, the players have not gone public with their demands. But in terms of Gottlieb, the fucking implication of these demands, because like I said it on the radio, because one of them were like the ability to sag our pants. I'm like, dude, sagging your pants was awesome and cool and popular when I was in fucking middle school. Nowadays, players want to roll their shorts up all the way up into their fucking balls to show off their legs. Like every time we talk to Russell mm-hmm. Westbrook and Chris Paul and scrums, they had their shorts rolled up. Oh, players, I always went and grabbed medium instead of a large pair of shorts. Yeah, no, it's uh, th- that's that's the popular thing nowadays. So when I saw that list, I'm like, I don't feel comfortable saying this shit on the radio because a, I don't really believe it. B, the implication of of these reports really gives it tells my brain is telling me something that I don't really want to say on air because I can't prove it. Um, but I just can't help but shake this initial feeling of like, this is coming from a source that hates the players right now. And it just made me feel all yeah. kinds of uncomfortable. You know, I want to go back to what I first said. Um, and we could agree to disagree Don't report on it. That. Just, 
that isn't the that is inside Oklahoma State walls only from an Oklahoma State grad. Now, like I said, a guy who's wanted to be the head coach twice for the basketball program. I feel like that's not connected at all to this because this is obviously the football program. I just feel like that that needs to be said. This motherfucker tried to be the basketball coach twice. (laughs) So, but that just something like that isn't your place. And Brady, you you know that there are things that I know about Oklahoma football that. They just don't get reported there and nobody and there's pro- I'm probably not the only one that knows some of those things and they just don't get reported because there's not in, there's no need for it. And, um, you know, that's not our place. I, I don't feel in my opinion that it's in our place to report stuff like that. I don't think that's, you know, something the public wants to doesn't need doesn't need to know. And nor, two, they weren't wanting to know that at the time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it just it. Um, that's not what your audience is wanting, which is what we're what we're taught to really look for um in journalism so but i just it, that was that was a frustrating part of it to me and then like you brought it up and i said this on air with sam the on tuesday that there was a lot of people at the time that were talking outside it's from inside oklahoma state whether that was to barry trammell whether that was to scott wright whether that was to doug gottlieb whether that was to anybody in this whole situation i just felt like that there was too many people talking and too too many people letting people know what was going on and honestly it was kind of embarrassing I I thought it was embarrassing um, in that regard um, from just watching it happen and and unfold so but back to what like what Gottlieb said with the demands that wasn't right when he said the music thing I, I was I was off on the music now granted I get why that that could have been a rule but that's just hip. That is, that's just the music nowadays. I mean, that's just pop culture. That's hip hop. That's rap. That's what that music's all that basically every other song is talking about that um, in some regard, whether sex, drugs, money, whatever. And you know, that was, that's the one that really turned me off from that being a factual thing. And, you know, hopefully it was calm at the tail end of the week. And I I hope we don't really have to talk too much about Oklahoma state Mike Gundy this week, because that means things have internalized yeah yeah the whole the music thing i even forgot about that little point in in the demands um like how i tried to rationalize it if it was actually true um on the radio was well it could be kind of similar to the do to the do rag thing where okay these players over here can wear backwards cats but we can't wear do rags how is that fair um okay well we're in the weight room we're listening to like pantera blasted and like all pantera songs are about fucking killing people like what's the difference between that and then this rap song that has violence in it um, I, I can understand how that just feels like this isn't very comfortable for us as black players. Like we can't express ourselves. We can't be ourselves. And look, I listen to thrash metal all the time. I don't, I don't go around killing anybody. Like just because you listen to something that has something bad in it does not mean that you a hundred percent subscribe to it. You just probably like the fucking song or you just like the beat. You just like whatever. It just makes you feel a certain way. And, and oh my God, this is football. This is a violent sport. So sometimes you got to pep yourself up, psych yourself into it to get into the mood. So, um, yeah, it was uncomfortable. It really had no uh, b- base in terms of being reported. Uh, stupid, stupid, stupid. You know what? Gottlieb is just – he's wanting – he's made a career out of kind of selling his soul and not caring about the consequences just to get his name out there. So, I mean, kudos to him. Uh, so, so, yeah, let's uh, – Let's move away from OSU, and, and yes, I agree with you. Hopefully next week we're not talking about anything else um, OSU-related because obviously that would mean progress is being made. Um, but as we, as, it kinda, as we get back into OU football, um, I, would, 
I would probably just say this. I don't think there should be any non-conference games. <laughs> I, I just really don't think that OU can realistically get away. Anybody can get away with non-conference games. What about no fans? Well, not I don't even I, no fans. I don't think fans are going to be a part of it anyway. But I don't you know, think if, right now either. But. Well, if we want to take a step back, because um, Keegan, we're in the same group chat, like I've mentioned a handful of times. You know this for a fact. When this all started back in March, I was already saying, and I'm not trying to say that I'm the smartest guy in the room, but move the fucking sport to spring. Just move it to the spring. You, you buy yourself, you buy yourself some time. You you allow your programs to better prepare. Um, and for your players to get into shape for um, a season and not feel like they have to be rushed into a season. Because again, these players, these coaches have not had spring football to analyze. They've not had spring football to for position battles. Um, players may have been sick or hurt like a Jaden Hazelwood. I don't know, maybe. Um, in this time where we don't even know if we're going to have the fucking sport anyway in the fall. So why don't we just move it to the spring for all the pragmatic reasons? Um, and that way, maybe we can avoid things. Maybe we can even have fans in the stands at that point. But like, to for whatever reason, that feels like that. That's not even on the table. We we just want the sport in the fall, or we don't want it at all. And to me, that that seems a little unwise to just limit your options as such. How many football players would these top teams lose if the NFL didn't move its draft from April? Yeah, that's, that's that's my only hiccup with with it is that I think that we may be looking at a, a completely different team than we were preparing to talk about and analyze in 2020 than maybe we are in the spring of 2020 because there's going to be a handful or more of the top players on each team that are going to be heading to go play in the NFL. So we'll see if the NFL if the NFL and college football can get hand in hand with that. I think there's a chance that that could happen. I just I'm not. I think that's the biggest hiccup in the in the spring, and we'll uh, when would when would it start for you? March after spring break? I, I would say at the earliest late February, so you can try and maybe squeeze like maybe a a nine ten game season with no non conference games in the spring, and then have as much of an off season as possible so you can get back on track for fall twenty one if that makes sense. To me, that, that seems realistic. Um, it doesn't seem ideal, but this whole situation isn't ideal. No. As, it, as it pertains to the NFL draft, that's where that's going to fail because the NFL is just going to do what they want to do. Fortunately for college basketball and the NBA, the NBA, because of the situation they're in, they've actually moved their, uh, their date uh, for players to be draft eligible. And even players that have made the decision to be draft eligible can change their minds because the date's been moved. So if something like that can happen with the NFL and college football, then yeah, it seems more realistic that football can take place in the spring and then ultimately in fall 21, just get back and on track. I just don't know if the NFL is willing to do that because they seem to have this archaic view of, we're just going to have football in the fall. We don't care. They could create a bubble though. I mean, they're not, they, these football players in the NFL are employees of the NFL. So if they want to play the games, they're going to have to do it their way. And uh, I, that's, which kind of brings me back to this point, And we haven't talked about this and I think it happened before the last podcast, but now it seems even more of a talking point and important right now. What about these waivers? These kids are having at some schools are having. Yeah. To be Ohio state doing that. That's, um, we all knew that was coming from somewhere, and what you know, they're not the only one, though, right? I mean, I remember no. seeing four or five different schools were making their players do it. And I would imagine OU would do it too. 
if it becomes in vogue, like I feel like every school is trying to find some type of common ground. So everybody is playing in the same rule set because, mm-hmm. you know, some schools are reporting back earlier. Some schools are reporting back later. And I know most coaches are like, it doesn't matter. Like Lincoln Riley said, all we need is X amount of time to get ready for a football season at the same time coaches players fans are always going to be a little like suspicious of well if we're not all playing on the same playing field then what what's the point um i feel like that that's pretty much coming across the board unfortunately because of the implication of wow you're you're making non-employees student athletes guys who aren't getting paid but are playing a blood sport where they could you know have lifelong damage and they of course know these risks they play football um, you're making them sign a waiver during a pandemic with a virus that we li- know little to nothing about. There's no cure for it yet. It, it, so many problems. Oh, like it just, this just sounds college football, college sports are gross, but we kind mm-hmm. of, we kind of like gloss over it because we just love what it kind of stands for. This makes it so much more gross. And the fear of, if we don't have a season this year because of all these, like the light shining on all the roaches of college sports, I really fear for the future of the sport. If we don't have it in the fall or even in the spring with my crazy idea. I think it'd be fine. I just, they'd be losing a lot of money a lot. because they, they would, they'd have to pay. I mean, by, in terms of liability. And I think in your NLI, you can, with signing an NLI to the NCAA, don't quote me on this, but I believe that they do have some sort of fiscal insurance if something goes crazy like this to have to give you a scholarship for a year or whatever. And I think we saw that. That's why they acted so quickly on the baseball, softball, um, scholarship, spring sport scholarship waivers for an extra year. Um, so I think it'd be fine. I just think the NCAA would be losing a ton of money in terms of TV dollars and, and in having to give scholarships back to all these fall sports or these fall athletes. But I mean, I guess this is me going back to the more scientific look at kind of what's going on right now. I just, I'm not at that point. I don't know enough and I don't, we don't know enough about the coronavirus or COVID-19, but I just I feel as if if all the play like they're everybody's gonna get it like I said at the beginning and I know this is going off into a train of thought that I is barking on that line but I I think once everybody kind of this thirty player quarantine once that headline goes away once those kind of headlines go away from that initial surge of players coming back I don't I think we'll be fine as it stands today. I get what I just, you're saying because it's, yeah. it's it's a natural human thing of like when something's like flashing right in front of you, it has your undivided attention. But once that flashing light goes away, you kind of just veer off into something else. And that's what we did. We, we locked down for two months and then we all kind of got bored and forgot about, you know, the dangers and we kind of outweighed the risks and thought, you know what? I want to go get food. I want to mm-hmm. go to a restaurant. I'll go sit outside. I don't care. Like I just want to get the out of my house and see people you know yeah. i don't want to talk to them i just want to be around people so it's a natural thing but you're exactly right yeah i just i i, I think once like i said all there, every player's probably going to get it i'm probably going to get it i probably have had it you've probably had it um you know once we kind of get past that phase of that part of this 
The only issue that I am having was that report, was it last week or a week and a half ago about asymptomatic people actually do having some sort of lung issue. Um, I don't want to quote that too much, but that's really the only negative side effect that, that I've seen of it right now. And I, I, I think once, like I said, once we get past this surge of even I bet Oklahoma, I bet Oklahoma has a day where 10, they send an email out where 10 to 15 of their players test positive. And we'll see if they shut things down like Kansas State and Houston did. But I feel like kind of once everything runs its course and as, as the hospitalizations, I think we talked about the beginning is the huge part. One player gets put in a hospital, one player is hospitalized and in serious danger because of this, we're, the whole thing's getting shut down. And it should, and it rightfully should. But I, I just don't, right as it stands today, I don't really know where we're, where we're at with, you know, with that in, in regards to, you know, players coming back and this surge of cases on campuses. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said earlier, like I understand people being a prisoner of the moment and saying like drastic things like there ain't going to be no college football season this year. Cause I mean, I'm even asking those questions too, right. because the numbers are right in front of me. Um, I feel like people do have this natural kind of loopy progression of when cases start to spike and especially when hospitalizations start to spike, I think people mm-hmm. will just naturally say, okay, I need to stay home. I'm not going to go to blue garden tonight. I'm not, not going to go to a out. rally. I'm not going to go to a rally, which Real quick, does Tulsa get a lot of new like points in the OKC hey, versus Tulsa debate? I think they, I, they may have taken the lead. Just if they would have, if they had a professional sports team, that I think that would have given them the lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Tulsa got a lot of cool points for. Um, should we should we delve into no, that? No, 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 no. I would just say I feel like people are going to go through a natural progression of going mm-hmm. out into the world and then retreating back naturally. Not, I don't think federal. Gr- orders of lockdowns are necessary or even real realistic at this point in terms of like that's going to cause more irreparable damage down the road once the virus has had its day and it's we've either conquered it or what the fuck ever else happens i feel like people will just do that and it's kind of the same with the news cycle as it pertains to college football it's it's questionable right now but like you said i think in about a few weeks especially the nba starts to get its legs going I think people just kind of think, okay, sports can sports can come back, right? We can get sports back. The the biggest issue with this though is how much is it going to cost for one school to pay for an entire team staff, support staff, recruiting staff, every trainers. They're going to have to test everybody. It, can these small schools is that going to be fiscally possible for them? And I think that is probably the, I don't want to speak for them, but I, I would imagine that's probably why Houston just tested everybody once and was like, okay, we're good. And then once more people started pop, testing, pop, popping up, that's why they shut things down. Yeah. But I, I, I that's my only concern. I, I, you guys have heard me talk. I, I do feel, still feel confident about a college football season kind of gave my reason why, but that is my biggest concern is can every school that plays college football that is going to play basically a team that's going to be in the playoff. Cause essentially that's all that really matters to the, for TV ratings can every school have, do they have the money to be able to afford a full staff player, everybody involved unit or test unit and test everybody? And how often are they going to do it? And how expensive is it going to be? That is a huge, huge problem with this deal right now. Keegan, let's do some questions real quick. Okay. Okay. So you, you asked for some questions. I think I got one on mine too. Um, Oh, man. All right, let's get this one out of the way, which congratulations, uh, baseball. Are they coming back? Like, I, I saw that they had agreed. Like, just give me a quick, like, rundown. They, 
Met in Arizona, the MLPA and the MLB and the and Rob Manfred met in Arizona. MLB thought they had a deal done. Players didn't think they thought it was just another counteroffer. MLBPA then sends in their official counteroffer. MLB owners are pissed off. Now everybody's saying with the coronavirus that we may just settle on 55 to 60 games. That There you go. You're caught up in the last five days. Okay. Um, well, are they going to be playing in like one state? Or are they going to be traveling around to each I, arena? I think they're still trying to play at their own stadiums right now. But obviously With no fans? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean – sports fan so i hope baseball can come back or whatever but sooner at sooner fan 432 asks thoughts on baseball extra innings proposal the runner on second to oh start. boy does that ruin your your beloved sport this is something rob manfred brought up like three years ago and i knew at that moment that was when he was trying to ruin the game of baseball i i knew it, i knew it at the time that bastard was up to something bad <laughs> and now look where we're at um, no, I, I get it in the tar- essence of getting games done and this and that the second runner on the runner on second and extra innings. I I'm, I, I'm actually okay with that, especially during this pandemic and this and that, but games ending in ties. Yeah. Ties are not American. I'm sorry. Ties, you take, it, it, you take, you take that shit to Europe where it belongs. <laughs> I, I think in, in the NFL, I mean, the NFL has it, but MLB game cannot end in a tie. I just, I, I can't picture a baseball game ending in a any sort of tie I mean, past it's, it's, little league it's weird to me that college football games up until what 96 or 95 i think 95 was the last year that there was an overtime because 96 was the ou texas game that ou won in overtime uh 95 i think ou tied texas uh in schellenberger's year so that to me that's that's odd that i was alive during ties in football in college football games that's just and even the nfl i mean the, the Baker's rookie year they had like two or three ties and that's stupid but uh thank you for the question but he also asked you a question uh why does manfred want to take rule talk rule changes before getting a season in place because it's rob manfred just search search him up in your google search if you're listening to this podcast and just read all the columns written about him in the last week well okay i'll ask you this question as somebody who covers the nba the NBA is often accused by the casual sports fan that they, you know, are trying to reinvent the wheel. You know, they're, they're trying to make tweaks to, like, let's have an in-season tournament. Um, let's have a play-in tournament. Uh, let's maybe abolish the seeding per conference and just go to the best 16 teams possible. Mm-hmm. Um, people are kind of like, this works. Why are you trying to tweak everything? Is is it a casual bait? Is it a casual sports fan to look at like Manfred what he's doing and just go like, no, he's ruining my sport? Because to me, it just seems like he's trying to make a sport that is often accused of being boring. I'm not saying that baseball is boring. No, you're good. You're good. Um, I think baseball is the most fun sport to play. I have been on record as saying that. Um, I just see him as an owner of a of a league, thinking of ways to grab more casual uh, sports fans that they have been losing over the last 10 or 15 years. I, I, the runner on it, – it it's such a traditionalist game. It truly yeah. is. And I know it's that – and I'm, the, I'm on that side of it. I'm a big fan of the no DH in the NL and all that. But when it comes down to it, it's Rob Manfred attempting to do things that really nobody's agreeing with 
because you you kind of under you kind of get what I'm saying. Like the NBA and the end season tournament and all this, it seems like there's a lot of momentum behind these decisions and these rumors from Adam Silver. With Rob yeah. Manfred, it's just like, oh, we're gonna put a runner on. If we're gonna put a runner on second base in extra innings, and it's like just, he's hey. like he's just riffing. You know, there's no yeah, thought. Yeah, he's there's just no saying he's just talk. saying yeah. something. Okay, yeah. that 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 seems a little silly. Is he is he your Bob Stoops? Oh, way for way <laughs> further than that. Way further than that. I mean, I can't even think. I mean, it's I can't even think of a person that I have gotten that frustrated that I don't even know who it is. I mean, it, it's Kevin Durant level anger. I can tell you that. Yeah, Kevin Durant. You need to make a Mount Rushmore of sports figures you don't like that you would not ask for an autograph if you saw them. In, oh, I would ask for a Kevin Durant autograph. I absolutely would. Oh, wow. Yeah, you fine, could you, I, Hey, you got to think you could sell it. Yeah, you could always sell it. At DanJammin11 on Twitter asks, what will, full, what will a fully formed OU offense look like this year um, with, for this year's team, assuming Rattler is the starter, like run-pass ratio and style? And uh, Keegan, I'll defer to you since you are the, the uh, guru of the film, of the tape. You've actually <laughs> seen Spencer Rattler in person. Of course, that was yep. two years ago. He's had an off season, a full off season in the weight room at OU, and now kind of a hodgepodge of maybe he's working out, maybe he won't be able to. I don't know, but he he's definitely going to be the starter if we do have football in the fall or the spring, whenever. Uh, but what do you think? Like, let, let's in terms of how, how will he be closer to a Baker Mayfield offense, to a Kyler Murray offense, to a Jalen Hurts offense? Or will he be something completely unique and different? Fully formed. I think that is the part of this that's throwing me off a little bit. Because when I think of Oklahoma and what we're going to see early in the season without Trejan Bridges and probably Theo Howard for parts of the early parts of the season, their wide receiver depth is, a, is an issue. But they also have four, four capable H-backs in Michael Henderson, Austin Stogner, Jeremiah Hall, and Braden Willis. So I think we may see something more along the lines of what we saw with Jalen last year, but with Lincoln really opening up the playbook, if that makes any sense. Because it didn't – it seemed like last year – I know it's not just me, that it seemed like the playbook was just limited just a little bit in terms of the stuff that Jalen Hurts could and couldn't do um, mentally in the pocket and do all the, and all those sorts of things. So – I think because of the lack of the depth at wide receiver and the amount of good H-backs that they have, we're going still going to see a bunch of 12 personnel with one running back, two fullbacks or a tight end, whatever you want to call the H-back position. Um, I think we'll see a lot of that. I still think we will with, you know, two wide receivers or one wide receiver and the two H-backs, two wide receivers and the two H-backs. I think we're going to see a lot of that this upcoming season. But once Trudgeon Bridges is back – um, and once Theo Howard's playing, I think there's a chance we could see a lot of what we saw in 2017 with the creativity in terms of the route concepts, in terms of the route combinations. Um, we may see it revert back to it a little bit, but that H-back room is so good, and, they, and Lincoln does so many good things with those guys. I just – I foresee, honestly, from here and maybe until he's done at Oklahoma, that we're going to see a, basically an H-back on the field at all times. Thank and, God. And I think, you know, it may not just be one. It's going to be two. I mean, look at what they did last year. They put three H-backs on the field one time. Um, well, it's just – it's very intriguing, but I think that's what's going to end up happening. Well, okay. I don't want to deep dive too much into the H-back position, but, like, when as it pertains to, like, Stogner and Braden Willis, because I really like Braden Willis, but I also, for obvious reasons, really like Austin Stogner. The guy made plays last year, limited plays, but it seemed like every time his number was called, he made big plays. And we all know the pedigree that he has, what he brings to the table in terms of his recruiting, 
coming to OU and just what he is as a physical specimen. I mean, the guy's a freak. So is, but so is Braden Willis. I mean, is this going to be a case where you can't keep, you know, you need to have both of them on the field at the same time, or is like the cream going to rise to the top? And if that's the case, who is it out of those two? Uh, I'm glad you asked that because I think, like I said, two H backs on the field at the same time. We could see Stogner lined out as a wide wide receiver. Does he have that, that Mark Andrews type? Like, yeah, that, I th- okay. absolutely think he does, and I think. He's a guy that's capable enough in terms of his physicality running routes. I think that that's where he's going to win it. And I know there's been a lot of comps to it. I don't think he's the next Rob Gronkowski. But it makes a lot of sense why people say that. Because he is very physical at the top of his routes. People have a really hard time staying in front of him. And he has a really easy time keeping people right behind him. So I I think he has that capability. I think he can line up at that wide receiver position. Um, the one that uh, Lee Morris played last year, that Grant Calcutta has played, that Mark Andrews has played. And I think he could have a lot of success there, and I think that's going to be a place where Oklahoma utilizes him some next this upcoming season. Yeah, and the thing about Lincoln that you can say is a constant uh, through his play-calling career at OU is that he constantly adapts to the talent that he has on the field, whether it's just the talent that he inherited, the talent that he has on the field because of injury, or the talent that he has because some guys that he didn't probably think were going to emerge emerge Marquise Brown was nothing until Kansas State and then OSU is when he like really announced himself to the world and what he just changed the offense completely mm-hmm. uh, uh, highlighting Marquise Brown and that opened up the offense into the monster that it ultimately became so Lincoln Riley is going to figure out ways to mitigate as much as like okay this guy's out that guy might be out for a few games that guy might be suspended we'll be fine basically is what I get from uh, Lincoln as a play caller this is this is interesting though. I know this is not something we we've talked about before, maybe not on here, but I mean they have Charleston Rambo, Theo Weiss, Trejan Bridges when he's healthy, Marvin or when he's not healthy when he's unsuspended, Marvin Mims, Brian or Trevon Trevin West and Brian Darby are your wide receivers for to start twenty twenty. That's it. And Drake Stoops. Sorry. And look, if they can find a Lee Morris, Nick Basquin, just a, a third option guy that basically just catches everything that's thrown to him. Like, you're not asking him to run deep. We, we don't need him to be like a, a burner or a big possession, big, big specimen of a guy. But just catch balls that are thrown to you because you're open because you're the third option. If, oh, you can find that guy. I think they'll be fine early on because it, it's really that simple. If they can find a guy that rounds out their receiving core, they're that much more dangerous. Yeah, I think this is going to be a huge year. I know we've talked about before, but I I truly think Charleston Rambo may be a thousand receiving yard season kind of guy. I I truly think he's going to be able to get up there just with the having Spencer Rattler at quarterback. And like I've said, I I need to do it right before the first game starts so people don't think I'm actually hating on Jalen Hurts. But do and put all the film together of, of Charleston Rambo running wide open in 2019 because it was it was almost every game the back half of the season so I think he could I think he's a guy who could have some success and you look at Marvin Mims as well and I know there's been a lot of talk about him as of late but I truly think that that guy's going to be just an impact player at Oklahoma so and with Bridges and Hazelwood down sliding into that Z or the H wide receiver position shouldn't be too too difficult for him um but it's going to be an interesting, I think, with the offensive line, too. I mean, you've got a bunch of young guys coming in, and Anton Harrison and Aaron Parks and Andrew Rams on campus, Nate Anderson. 
um, how, if they find any way to get on the field this season with kind of Lincoln Riley's talked about how the offensive line unit didn't live up to the expectation last season. So I, I think obviously you have the same guys returning, but the entire offensive, I think the, what we're going to see remains a question mark. I was more, I nailed it on the head last summer, Brady, and I had a lot of confidence in what we were going to see with Oklahoma's offense. I have zero right now. I have no idea, especially with the wide receiver, um, the situation with wide receiver or the wide receiver position. I, I have no idea what's going to show up that first game. Yeah, and, and look, I'm not a Spencer Rattler hater by any means. I'm excited to watch the kid play. Um, but I will always err on the side of caution when a new starter comes to town at a school like OU. And I know he won't be playing in front of 85,000 people, but it's you're still – It may keeping... make it more difficult if yeah, you think yeah, about it. Yeah, it's, it's like this is weird. This is like playing at a funeral home. Um, it's You're still QB1 at the University of Oklahoma. And the expectations alone, you know, it separates the men from the boys. And – we knew what we had with Jalen Hurts. Like there were limitations, like in terms of his passing ability. Lincoln Riley did elevate them to an extent, but you had the confidence that that guy exceeded expectations at QB one at Alabama and got them to a national title and probably should have won them a national title if not for Trevor Lawrence or not Trevor Lawrence, Sean Watson and Clemson on that last drive. So you kind of knew what you had there. Uh, but our last question, Keegan, comes from Sooners eighteen sixty six. Uh, what is the status of Jaden Hazelwood? He's been posting a lot of videos working out. Is he out for the entire season? Well, you know is, what? If they move to the spring, he'll be ready. <laughs> uh, interesting. I think the, the part of this that does throw me off, despite the fact of having this confirmed, and Brady, you know that, hmm? that he had torn his ACL. But, lower, lower leg injury, as Lincoln Riley said. But Lincoln said – we'll see where he's at in the early parts of the season and make our decisions from there. Yeah. What is, is that, is that stalling? But I, I, I can't remember a time to where a guy actually had an injury. Cause usually Lincoln, when, when a guy's out, he'll come out and say he's out. Yeah. But he has with Theo Howard and what made me go back and ask about Theo in which we, I found out that the injury that he had with the Achilles happened before he got on campus with Jaden. Maybe it's the same thing. Maybe it's not. Maybe it happened before we everybody found out it did or something. Because, like I said, the wording from Lincoln whenever he talked about it was different from when talking about a guy that was going to be out for the whole season. Yeah, that kind of swam through my mind. Maybe he sustained the injury much earlier in the calendar year than what has been initially thought. And I, I think the thing is, like, he got hurt when he went back home during lockdown around Easter is kind of the report that's been – I don't know if it's actually been reported, but that's the, certainly the talk that surrounds mm, yeah, it. Yeah, no, and, yeah, I can and say that, that. That could certainly be the case. He could have certainly got hurt in winter workouts before we all locked down. Um, or – I wonder if this is just a normal year where there's no pandemic and we know for sure that there is going to be football. It's just, it's not even a thought. It's just like, this is the process. I wonder if that's the case. If Lincoln just goes ahead and says like, yeah, he's out for the year, but because there's, I think that they're trying their hardest to have football in the fall. And I don't think that there's that much momentum for like, Hey, let's just play in the spring. Um, I think Lincoln is just simply, maybe keeping his options open because he simply just doesn't know like the rest of us what the future holds. We don't know what tomorrow, next week, next month is going to be like. It can be completely different than what it was because, you know, two podcasts ago, we, you and I were just like, yep, there's going to be football in the fall. It's going to be great. Absolutely. There might be some fans there, might not be, but you know what? 
you know, things are going to return to normal slowly and then shit has hit the fan. So um, I think, I think that that was simply leaking Riley, just keeping his options open because anything can happen. But yeah, I feel like if we were just in a regular year, based off of what has been reported, I feel like he'd have just been like, yeah, he's out. It's, or, I mean, he's it's just a, toying, or he's just toying with us, which is, that could also be true. Or Jaden Hazelwood's a freak and he tore his ACL, but it's like, no, he's going to be fine. <laughs> I do. I will say it is interesting that Jaden, in terms of we're talking about him and the social media stuff right now, he never really posted anything about having surgery. Yeah. I that mean, is. That's true. And now that could have, it could have happened, but I, I just, he's so active on social media and posting pictures on his Instagram and his Instagram story that I just can't, I don't, the only things I remember is him ever actually starting to work out his upper body again. So I, I, I don't know. I'll say I will stick with the reporting that I heard that I have. And I, there's obviously more reports out there, but I, I have pretty solid information that he had torn his ACL. And if he's going to be back in, and that was in March, right? Or it was around Easter, so in April. Yeah. Then May, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, six months. I mean, if if th- theoretically you can return from an ACL injury in about six months. Yeah, maybe bowl game. Maybe. Like, maybe. So that would be post after OU Texas, they would revisit, and then maybe play conference championship game. Yeah. Like, and I've said this before. I truly think that. If Oklahoma's in a situation that they can win and go to the playoff and Jaden Hazelwood could be a difference maker for you and he's 85%, 90%, I I think he plays. But I think if you're not in a situation, if you're at like, if he's at 60, 60, or he's at the same percentage, let's say 85, 90, and you've already lost a game or two and you have no shot at making a national championship game, then there's no, I don't think there's any reason for him to play this season because he's got one more year in Norman regardless. Yeah, um, I, I'd be pretty shocked if, like, A, if we have football in the fall, and then, B, if Jaden Hazelwood marches out there, you know, game one, that would be like, whoa, that's a, that's a great surprise. But mm-hmm. you know, we, we will certainly see. But, everybody, thank you for the questions on Twitter, and don't be shy. Ask us for more questions on Twitter. Before we get out of here, I do want to uh, throw out this message. Uh, Keegan, our mutual friend, Caleb Coos, has a book out. And I know you, you listening out there probably don't know who this person is, but follow him at, um, at Coos underscore C. It's K-O-O-S underscore C. He just, had a, he just published a book. It's called One Piece of a Life-Size Puzzle. It's available on Amazon. Caleb's an awesome guy. He's a gigantic OU fan. He's an awesome person. I ordered his book and can't wait to read it. Uh, support him. If you're all about like supporting local whatever, then support this local whatever. This is a... Um, he's a good guy. Um, there's no reason. Yeah, one this. of the nicest human beings. He ever. hates. He hates Buddy Heald because he's a Sacramento Kings fan. That needs to be on the record. It's on the record now. He hates one of the most beloved Sooners of all time, it's, <laughs> and it's a shame because Vlade Divac runs a, a sound organization up in Northern California. Yeah, but this is not a paid advertisement. I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, support him. It isn't. I, I thought we said it. I thought he said it was. No, um, he's just going to let me do his audio book where I can oh, go, yeah. go, off, go off on drunken, unrelated Bob Stoops tangents. But, I mean, if there's a chapter in there about, like, somebody getting hired, like a family member, like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I scorched earth that – I will scorched earth this audio book. But, uh, uh, Keegan, any parting thoughts, any, anything that you're looking forward to, uh, anything that we should be looking forward to um, with your USA Today, Sooners Wire, 
uh, awesomeness? <laughs> no, I mean, I will say it's been like Oklahoma State had a bunch of coverage this week, right? Like just nonstop, just crazy, crazy, crazy. And I bet their numbers were really, really good. And I will say it does suck that whenever we're going to have to report at the end of this month and it's going to be lower than probably everybody because nothing's gone on with Oklahoma football in the last three weeks, it seems like. Besides the one – but you have to be thankful for it because I'm glad I'm not covering something like was happening in Stillwater last week. Yeah. Um, it wasn't fun to talk about on the radio in real time when you didn't have – a lot of the information at hand, you didn't have a lot of time to make a rational thought. You just had to go, I don't know what the fuck OAN means. What does that mean? Oh, that's, that's unfortunate. Um, hey, I, hey, I'm going to give you a hey, homework for both of us then. Since we both it. talked about OAN on this week, we each have to go watch the OAN for at least four hours. We'll see. Like, I, went on a, I went on a Monday night in, like, going into Tuesday's show. I watched about like five or six videos on their YouTube channel just to get because like I'd gotten like the gist from their bullet points when you Google them, Twitter mm-hmm. had given me an idea of what they were about, but I'm like, I need to make my own decisions. So I just, I watched their, uh, a handful of their videos and yeah, it's like, I like conspiracy theories too. They're fun. I have like four books on JFK conspiracies downstairs on my bookshelf. They're fun to play with. It's not real though. And it's important to understand that when you're reading something that isn't real, you must understand that it's not real. And so that's... So I, I went and watched two hours of OAN this week just to get an idea. Or not two hours, it was three hours. So the first two hours was just new stuff and it was really, really boring. And then they got on one of their own shows and I, I only could only watch it for an hour. I was sitting there, I'm like, yeah, that's not it. Yeah, like Mike Gundy said that in that press conference a few, like a few months ago and I forgot that he had said it because the big story with that whole thing was he was saying the thing about all oh, these kids are 20, 21 years old. They'll be fine. They're not going to die. And it's like, that's really insensitive, insensitive to say about something that you know nothing about. You're, you're mm-hmm. a football coach. You're not a virus scientist, whatever they're called. It's insensitive to say. And I'd forgotten he'd said that. It just really, what it told me, the reason why he probably liked that, show, that channel is he probably feels like, I just want life to go back to normal. I, I don't think we can hide from this. Uh, if we lock down for too long, it'll destroy the economy. And that's how I feel. Then he found a channel that pretty much agrees with that and said, that's my news channel. They report the facts. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, like, are they I facts, wish people though? could have seen you on Zoom whenever you said that. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, got to do the point in the fingers or whatever. But yeah, hopefully no more OSU talk because it's, I don't like OSU anyway. Fuck them. Uh, except for Madison Moore, she's awesome. Um, she unfortunately went to OSU, but yeah, no more OSU talk. So that's my parting, parting homework for you. If you haven't done it yet, I did it this week just to make sure I was stayed up to fact on what was going on. For anybody that does follow me, that has called me out for not knowing what OAN is this week, hmm. but uh, no, I, I, we don't have much coming. I don't. I mean, until something kind of crazy happens, we'll just stay with the status quo of, um, of, of what the news cycle's been basically for the last three weeks. And then two weeks from now, though, should be some fireworks, right? And we may be getting into that next week. Oh, yeah, fireworks on the 4th because America, yay, and then other things. Um, maybe. Maybe so, and that will be a fun. Um, look, look, really quick, Keegan, let's get people excited. 
are the only fireworks that could happen on July 4th or immediately thereafter, are they only for one player or could other things happen? Oh, I think that there's going to be other things. Oh, wow. Oh, I, wow. I, I, there, I just, I, I'm not confident in talking about who, what, when, where. Of course. Right now. But in a week from now, that could be different. Um, Christian Leary goes to uh, Alabama. Thoughts? <laughs> I will. So it was about a month and a half ago. I thought that, and I was told that Oklahoma still felt confident in landing him. And whenever there was all this momentum towards Alabama and, and Clemson and other schools in the Southeast. And I kind of stuck by that. But then about three weeks ago is when the tide started to turn. You see how oh. I, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and from what I understand that as Oklahoma was recruiting him, Oklahoma wasn't going to take his commitment at the time of June 6th. And that was a, I think that ended up causing some problems and I wouldn't say they're not real huge issues. Oklahoma and I bet Christian Leary are doing just fine. But when a guy like Emeka Abuka comes into the picture, you kind of hold pause on your numbers there for a little bit. Yeah. Um, oh, you, it's a good problem to have. Um, you know what? You're going to lose battles to schools like Alabama, Clemson, LSU. Like, that's going to happen. And fortunately for OU, it's at a position where they really have no problem recruiting um, on a, from a consistent basis. So it sucks. But once you forget about it, it's like, eh, oh, well, moving on. But Keegan, let's, mm-hmm. move, on. let's move on from this podcast. Uh, I know you need to get out and go Red River around in New Mexico. So uh, everything no, going well. it's dark here now. Looks like it. Looks like there's light outside. Well, no, yeah, the sun's just about to set behind the mountains, uh, and it'll be dark, but it's been good. I haven't done much this week. I kind of took a week just to kind of chill out and kind of get my feet underneath me again and get ready for um, what should be a fun, really, two two weeks from the, really from now until college football. Honestly, it's going to yeah. be a crash course of recruiting and the crash course of players being back on campus and um running down everything so it's been nice to kind of take a week and kind of take a step back breathe a little bit and then get ready to go for the rest of the rest of the way but no it's it's tough y'all i mean it was 50 57 degrees last night when i went to sleep oh yeah cold front rolled through here over the weekend but not that cold that's too cold for me but um yeah keegan Thanks for jumping on your podcast with me. Appreciate it. (laughs) Oh, thanks for having me on your podcast, Brady. Of course. On our podcast. There you go. Um, Everybody, thank you for listening to Inside OU on the Franchise Podcast Network. Uh, Go check out New Balance in Edmond, and they'll take good care of you. Go get yourself some shoes. Um, Also, go read Caleb's book. I will appreciate it. I Um, I just quote tweeted it for anybody. That's what I've been doing the last five minutes. Um, I retweeted it on my timeline as well on Twitter. So uh, just go check that out. I will greatly appreciate it. But everybody, thank you so, so much for listening. And we will talk to you next week unless something happens. And then Keegan and I will jump back on on the week, uh, during the week. But until Sunday, everybody, y'all have a good one.